how do you make your supply chain resilient to crisis and market changes? Historically, small and medium businesses have a hard time adapting to demand spikes or supply shortages. In this episode, we sit down with Hugh Svolts, Executive AI in Wuban, and talk about they helped a major um, Canadian stove family business thrive despite the pandemic and the Ukrainian work, using an AI tool, of course. Keep listening and find out how to master supply and demand using an AI-powered sales prediction tool. Enjoy! Welcome, Hugh, to our AI and Digital Transformation podcast. So, yeah, for today, we have Hugh, Fol uh, Hugh Foltz. Uh, he's the partner and executive vice president at Vuban, a Quebecois um, company which seeks to guide clients in their digital transformation journey via web, mobile development, AI, IoT, business intelligence, and digital strategy. And today, Hugh will be sharing with us a use case on sales prediction. So welcome, Hugh. Welcome. Thank you. So before we start uh, focusing on the use case itself, we'd like you to share a few words or yeah, describe um, about uh, describe Vuban and share a short like give us a brief story of yourself. Sure, sure. Thank you for the invitation first. Um, yeah, so v Vuban is, uh, since, uh, let's say since last year, more or less, uh, the, the, the largest firm in AI in Canada. So today it's more than 130 people, uh, working at Vuban and working on the, let's say the integration and the deployment of applied uh ai like we we call it uh so we develop solution custom solutions uh using ai and we also take care of the software part uh the database part when needed or everything related to the infrastructure that we have to put in place to ensure that the project will uh leave and also be be deployed on in the real world so it can be a shop floor in the manufacturing world can be let's say, uh, in an insurance company, uh, in, in, in the back office when, when it's needed. So all those, uh, contexts are just what we are facing in a day to day, uh, since many years. So Wuban is a 12 years old company. Um, we, we started before the, the AI, uh, movement, I would say. So, so we, we were a custom software cost, so software development company developing only custom software and six years ago we we started our ai department and let's say everything kicks off since then uh, and to be to be where we are today so that's a pretty cool place to be right now and for myself um i'm an entrepreneur in technology since almost 
all 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 time. <laughs> so I started when I was 22. Uh, I started my first company at 22 years old and sold this one when I was 34. And I'm in the ride uh, with Wuban since then. So let's say it's uh, it's a cool ride and, and technology is uh, something that clearly uh, I'm passionate about. So doing and making business with it, it's uh, what I love. It's quite a ride, I would say. It is. Congrats. It is. <laughs> and Thank you. Maybe before delving into the use case, just a curiosity. How is the AI scene in uh, Canada? Because everybody hears about the AI scene in the US, but not so much is told about Canada. So I want to grab the chance that you're here. Sure. Uh, it's a good question, in fact, because we are well known uh, internationally as a... Uh, a very, uh, I would say, a very well, uh, our reputation for, for our universities to, to train and to, to get very strong researcher in AI is well known around the world. But the problem is we are a lot better to train those students and to, uh, to teach AI than to use it. So for, for instance, our, our industries, let's say all industries, uh, across all industries, AI is not that well implemented. So, so we, we are, and one, one recent study said that 45% of, uh, the Canadian companies, again, across industries don't trust AI. So it's a very, it's a big problem clearly. And the 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 government of canada is taking it very seriously uh putting in place putting in place many mechanism to not only encourage companies to move forward but to force them in some cases so so let's say automate the the, the all the movement of automatization of everything is slowing down and it's actually not that that fast in Canada and but it's it's really slowed down by only the fact that we are afraid or at least resistant uh, about AI so so this is more or less uh, the situation we we have a few a, a few years uh, already uh, we we are in late of a few years would say some some studies said that we are five years to 10 years in late compared to uh, many countries in the, in the use of AI to, to be more productive, to be uh, less, depend, less dependent of uh, uh, human workforce and everything. But, but those years will be very tough to catch up because all, let's say a lot of countries are going so fast and are implementing so much uh, very very new ai to be more productive so it, it is kind of a critical situation for for us honestly and, and you are a bit in advance in the us by the way compared to canada but not you're not you're not a rock star not so so you you can be better and a lot better too by the way uh there is an interesting study that was uh that was uh last year yeah. a year and a half ago by 
OCD uh, and OCD said that Canada will be by 2030, uh, by 2030, the last, not, not, uh, nothing less, the last country of the OCD in terms of global productivity. If we continue to just resist to automate everything. So that, that very strong as a statement uh, and us is just a bit in front of us, but not, not that much, you know? Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I've heard from my Canadian friends, like small and medium businesses, especially after the pandemic, I think they suffered a great deal, especially with the automation part. So I think that's why we'd like to grab this opportunity to talk about this nice use case that you did, because it focuses on us, well, let's say a family business actually in Canada and um, help them in predicting their sales at a more accurate uh yeah, with more accuracy. So exactly. Uh, maybe you could share with us briefly how you went about with this uh, use case. Of course, of course. Um, this project is a very interesting one, and we are lucky to to be allowed to talk about it because mo most of our customers, no surprise, just don't allow us to to speak about the projects that we are doing for them. And it, for, for very good reasons. I mean, uh, they, they pay a good price. I mean, it's that cheap to, to, to do it, to build something in AI and to train a model and to deploy it and everything. So, so they, they, they pay for those, uh, projects. And, and of course they don't want their, their competitor to know that what we, to know what they have done. So SBI is very generous and. For for one good reason, they are the largest in Canada stove, uh, stove manufacturer. So they are, they have five factories. Uh, they sell everywhere, everywhere around the world. And for them, the first, let's say, key in their phases of automation was to understand better what is going to be the demand. So and it's it's. It's, it's so true in many, many cases when we look at a company or even even if it's a, a manufacturer or a, a business working in another uh, area or their uh, field that it doesn't really matter. As soon as you understand that if you if you don't master your supply chain, you cannot optimize that much what you are doing and you cannot neither uh, optimize your operation choosing the right process to automate or to optimize. So mastering and understand, let's say we, we call it, uh, the end to end supply chain. As soon as we get enough visibility on the supply chain, we can much more easily focus on automating the right process. So for them, uh, predict sales prediction was, was key. Like it's again, the case in, in so many businesses. Uh, so what we've done is something that we have done. I mean, if we, if we, if we, uh, have not done at least 50 projects, like projects like this one, we have not done one. So it's very common. And, and those, those sales prediction algorithm are, are so mature. Um, they are almost out, out of the box actually. So the, the challenge is to put in place the right database, <clears throat> assemble the right data set, looking at all data that we have. So our database external database that we have access to and assemble the right recipe to train the algorithm. But the algorithm itself itself is 
almost 100% ready. So what we have done with SBI is looking at everything that they can get from, from those uh, external database and assemble, assembly, uh, assemble a strong data set where we found very strong cor correlation. We are looking as many cases in AI for correlation. So, so if we, we can match uh, a strong correlation with a lot of data, and of course we use the historical data of, of the company itself, normally we get a win. So that's exactly what we got with SBI. In fact, their sales team was scoring close to 55% of accuracy for the sales of the year. But well, let's say for each uh, for each year they got a, or they're trying to plan and to to estimate. So 55% is let's say for many good reason human is not good at all at predicting things. In fact, we don't predict we. We estimate. So if for, for, for us, an estimation is the best we can do, but we cannot gather a lot of data like an algorithm will do and, and, and crunch this data and at the end propose something with a, a good level of comfort. It's impossible. We don't do that. We cannot do that. So I think it is exactly what the algorithm is doing. So 55% was more or less the average for, for so many years. And if you think in, in probability uh, matter, 55% is very close to 50%. And 50% is when you flip a coin. <laughs> so do you trust data or do you trust an estimate uh, that is from your sales team? If in fact you can flip a coin and you get more or less the same same uh, accuracy, the answer of course is no. So that that's also why in some industries like this one, uh, the algorithm was very important and, and key in, in, in the process. The, the interesting story is we started the, the training of the algorithm in July and in less than four months, we assembled the data, the good, the good data set. Uh, there is a lot of data available for, for the, the, let's say their word. So it's, uh, how many field, how many construction, uh, that are going to be built next year. So they have a lot of prediction in the construction world and they have a lot of data also. Uh, if you look at import and export data, uh, what, uh, what material are exported outside of Canada and what material are we import, uh, importing? So those data are available. So we, we gather a lot of data and in less than four months, we were able to, to train an, an algorithm an accuracy of 75% in four months, it's pretty good. And so this was the proof of concept for them saying, okay, if we are able to do that in four months, only in the six months or more, the algorithm would just go to the roof. And it's exactly what happened to the roof in, in the sales prediction thinking, by the way, it's not 95 or 98%, it's close to 80 and very good prediction would be with an accuracy of, of let's say 90 is just amazing. But if you score 85, it's, it's already crazy. So that's exactly where we, uh, where we landed the project. 
So after a year of training and adjustment of the, the database, the data set, and, and, and we, we call it the, the ponderation, so the weight for, for some variables, we were able to, to deliver uh, an algorithm with an accuracy of close to 96, uh, 86, 87% uh, of accuracy. So a year in advance, they know with this accuracy, how much of each prod product that they have, they will sell. So uh, in terms of a game changer for a manufacturer, trust me, it's huge. Uh, it, it, in a matter of adding the good stuff in, in inventory, adding the right amount of the right uh, amount of employee, so number of employee on the floor, and, and also managing the seasonality. So there is there is peak in some season in their industry, of course, and, and managing it and and put it lean on, on the year uh, is, is something very cost effective. Well, the use case is very interesting. I have two questions. The first one is maybe a bit slightly technical, but I think it's very useful for the listeners to understand. When you sp you're speaking of accuracy, you're using percentages, but in a task that usually is a regression task, so you usually would have another kind of metric. Like, what do you mean exactly? Like, when you speak of accuracy, how do you evaluate it? Uh, because it, when you said 55%, would it be like they are off by 50% compared to by their, their target, or it's another kind of measure? No, no, it's exactly this. In fact, it's year after year, we compare the sales estimation. So from the sales team to the real sales that was made for, by the company. So each year we, at the beginning of the year, they have to, to put a number, uh, as every sales team. So kind of betting, okay, this year, I think I'm going to sell in this, uh, for, for, let's say, for instance, in this country. I will sell that um, that number of this pro product and, and and the same for every product. So we we gather all this information and, and it's the better of the sales team. So the better of the sales team is the best estimate they can do. And of course, we challenge it with the, the, uh, the bet of the algorithm. So at the beginning of the year again, we will run the model and the model will do its bet. So for, for instance, then 85 to 87% that we got is the prediction of the sales that will be made. And at the end of the year, only we can validate if the algorithm was good or not. So that's why it's been, it's been four years now since the algorithm is running at SBI. So we've been through the pandemic. We've been through a lot of things. So in, in the middle of the pandemic, the algorithm score close to uh, 78%, I think. So, so a very good score for, for uh, an event that never never occurred before in, in the database. Uh, but just with all the variables that we add in, in our model, of course, external variable, exter external data, uh, the algorithm performed pretty well. Uh, so, so that's that's how we calculate it. One of the th reasons why the use case is really interesting is because it's about stoves, which imply that uh, wood 
is a part of the logistic chain of the supply chain. So, and as we all know, like the Ukraine war kind of disrupted the supply of, uh, of wood, the prices skyrocketed. So I am curious to know how you dealt with this kind of black swan, this unexpected uh, event. And if you had to somehow retune the model or you had in place a structure that kind of detected this uh, data drift and adopted automatically. It's a very good question. Um, it depends on the, let's say the, there is few variables that we had to, that we have to, to consider for those, uh, let's say very, uh, vaporous market because it's, it's so difficult to predict what those events can, 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 when those events can happen first and, and how much it can be impactful. And it, it's more, most of the time, very impactful. So for, for instance, what we are doing and, and depending on, on, let's say the size of, of the company we are working with, if they, if they don't have enough third party between the, the big importer and them, meaning that they don't have a lot of stock available for them within and, and with them with their partners, meaning that they are going to be impacted very, very quickly. Like we have a, a another, uh, customer, uh, in the steel industry also, uh, one of the largest steel frame builder in Canada, and, and they are so close of the supply chain. So if there is one glitch, uh, into the supply chain, one boat stuck somewhere, one thing that happened, one tax that move automatically, they, they are impacted the next week or the, the in into the next months for, for sure. So we, we are for them protecting with a good buffer. That's the first thing. And, and of course they are, they are connected and they have to run the algorithm a lot more often. So, so the thing is the algorithm will adjust itself. So, so those impact those rules, taxes, whatever it is that impact the market and the availability, the availability of, if it's wood, if, if it's, if it's steel, whatever it is, um, can, can be, can be managed by the algorithm, but it's all about retraining and retraining the algorithm and, and ensuring that we, we also put the right weight on those variables. So it, it's as simple as that. And, and, and it's easy to say it, but not that easy to apply, honestly. So, so that's, that's a very tricky part of, of sales prediction. And we call it by the way, demand prediction for those industries that are very impacted though. So it's not about the sales that we have to think first, the, the, the first the mindset must be what will be the demand and what will be the demand is also again, along the supply chain. So, uh, if we are not ready or if we, we don't necessarily want to know how much sale we will do, we need to understand the market will get what kind of demand. And the other thing is looking the other way. So, uh, uh, a supply chain have two direction. So can the the provider or your suppliers also supply what we need food mm. to produce. Yeah, that's really like 
Yeah, it's a really fascinating use case, as uh, Gabriela said, and I hope that other small and medium companies actually implement this since, like, for example, a food supply chain could benefit from this. But, like, going back to the uh, SBI use case, uh, you mentioned in your website, like, for example, something to be proud of, actually, is that you, Wuban, your team, worked together hand-in-hand with SBI, so they were able to procure, for example, a small group of people who would volunteer or would dedicate their time to working with Vuban to create this sales predict- prediction model and so forth. How easy or difficult was it like to uh, come up with this system and to be able to um, understand their data literacy and you know help them transition towards the AI path? <laughs> It's it's uh, surprisingly for them, for, for all our customers, I would say, it's surprisingly an easy ride because because our, you know, you know today, AI scientists have to, we, we, we have in the AI world, uh, I would say they are, we have two kinds of AI scientists. Some are researcher and they are very good at it and, and we need them. So, but they are normally working in universities and and, and doing research is their passion and they are again, again, needed by by our field. But the other uh, kind of AI scientists are the kind that we hire at Vuban. So so they they are thrilled by applying AI and applying AI also mean to, to understand the context of a customer, to understand the problematic of that we are trying to solve and to work with the, the employee of our, our customer to ensure that we understand all, all the small details that will bring the model to the, to, to the accuracy, if it's accuracy that we are looking at, to the prediction and the quality of, of training that we are looking at. So it, it's all about, it's all about uh, ensuring that we are uh, at the right place and that's their job, literally. Uh, so the working with our, our customer is our day to day, simply as that. And the, in your direct experience, how important is for the customer to actually understand, um, the structure of your solution, uh, how, Im- how important is to have what some call an AI champion inside the company that somehow understands a bit AI and, um, can also help uh, introducing and uh, integrating this new solution that you provide within the company and and to somehow overcome the skepticism of some people that we know are there. The, the quick answer to this one is they don't need for, for SMEs, let's say, and, and, and I, I would say all SMEs don't need anyone with a specific training or, or very, for, let's say an AI scientist as, as we have here, uh, you don't need anyone. Well, so let's say you need one person or a small team of passionate people about technology. So that's very important. So, and, and passionate is not 
some someone that study a lot in, in in this field. I mean, so it can be an an engineer just passionate about new technologies and and, and willing to take care of, of the digital transformation for for the company. It can be uh, the CFOs, <laughs> can be anyone, as long as they they are again willing and, and thrilled by by those projects and, and willing to take care of them. So, other than that. Honestly, it's so it's so specific as uh, those those skills in, in AI are so specific and understand that the minimum uh, diploma that you need for those guys uh, is a master, and a master is okay, but a PhD is a lot better. So for 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 us, our team, our AI team is a team of close to 30 people now. So on 130 people, we have a team of 30 people. So that's also a, an interesting number. It means that we have uh, a large team of programmers. We have a large team of, of uh, data, the, it's a data scientist and, and database uh, architecture uh, expert. So, so preparing the data and the system that will uh, digest the algorithm is, also very important. So it's it's a, a big part of the company at Vuban actually. And on in this team of close to 30 people of AI scientists, we have more or less 20 of them with a PhD or a post PhD. And the rest is with a master in AI specifically. So two things into into this info. First, they are very expensive. <laughs> So, so hiring one only for one project, I think it's not a good move. Uh, I'm sure it's not a good move. And the other thing is they are a lot better when they are working with their peers. So they, they, they need, they need colleagues to challenge them and to, to build a very strong solution. So for us at the beginning of uh, this, uh, service when Six years ago, when we started with the first AI scientist, honestly, uh, we got a good velocity only af after once we, we got the team of four to five people. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, and what I meant is that, um, of course, not SMEs don't need an AI professional, uh, but in our experience, we've we see that having someone who understands how AI works, not someone who is able to develop, develop AI, mm. uh, but someone who understands more or less uh, the importance of a data set, how it works, uh, um, someone who can really be the uh, internal uh, referee, um, referral. referral, yeah, for the company. Because um, otherwise, if it looks like a black box, it can be scary and people don't really want to adopt it. Uh, but of course, like for SMEs, it doesn't make sense to, unless they do AI, it doesn't make sense to have an AI team. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it really depends also on how technologically uh, advanced the company is. Um, yeah. If it's a company that relies a lot of innovation and has a lot of engineers who are a lot into innovations, then I think it, they're already ready to work with a company like Wuban. 
but there are also other companies that are lagging much behind, especially in Europe. Like, uh, so sometimes the leap is quite wide and they really need uh, um, a behavior change, I think. Yeah, not just a behavior change, but more like they need to somehow to be educated about how the AI works because it's like magic to them sometimes. And if they feel like it's magic, then either they don't know how to use it properly or it stays on a shelf and kind of gathers dust because they're too afraid to use what they don't understand. So that's what I mean. And I was wondering if that's also your experience in Canada or maybe in Canada, the average uh, awareness of AI is higher. And so you don't have this kind of issues. Weekly, <clears throat> in fact, clearly it's needed by all companies. For, for the, the, the level of skills that you are, are mentioning, it's our role. Uh, it's, it's the role of the, the AI firm to train the employees or the 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 main stakeholder for the digital transformation in our in our customer uh, business. So it's our role at Vuban to do that. So the AI scientist, like like you mentioned earlier, is anyway working with the employee of our customer. So the, the let's say we we call them SMEs. So uh, SME like subject matter expert. So for us, a subject matter expert uh, need to be trained about at, at least what is what is a, a good data, what is a wrong data or a bad quality data, uh, and what is an algorithm, and at, at minimum, how does it work? So that's that's what we take care of for sure. For this very minimum information and understanding of what we are doing, also. So that's yeah. key. I agree. Awesome. So it confirms. <laughs> what's uh, our perceived reality here. So yes, definitely. Um, well, maybe let's go through one, the other questions that we'd like to ask. Um, but first and foremost, I would say um, you develop this kind of application for a specific customer. How uh, easy, not how easy, let's say, uh, do you think this kind of solution could be applied to many other uh, small and medium enterprises? And if so, could you give our listeners a few examples for the sake of understanding? Yes, let's say sales prediction and demand prediction in general. It's a more general term to use. Demand prediction is so so easy to implement and deploy. It can be used by all industries, more or less. Uh, for SMEs especially, it's not that expensive and a real game changer for sure. So for, for, for them, what I would suggest if they are in the small part of SME, so small companies can also work together. That's another thing because one algorithm, uh, very well trained to predict demand will serve an industry altogether so it's not it's stuck it's not a race and that's something very tough in the head of a lot of companies the race to implement and to use ai must be see as something that have to be done so even if you have to work with your local competitor i would say it's good to do that 
because at the end of the day, your real competition, your real competitors are from outside of US, outside of Canada for us, outside of your own country. No. And, and that's exactly where to build strong economy for each country, I, I will always recommend to assemble and to go through associations that exist already uh, where a project like that can be landed with no cost, more or less, for, for the member or the members of the association and, and can benefit the entire industry for a state, for a country. So that's something that when I, I said that the government of Canada is pushing uh, the implementation of AI through a few uh, initiatives, uh, this is one of them. They, they, they are going to just force kind of because it's going to be uh, it's going to be available through the through many associations uh, to serve specific uh, specific needs for specific industries. So once the tool is there, it's their decision to use it. But I mean, of course, they will do it. They they will use it, and, and it's it's key it's key for transforming transforming our industry. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think uh, part of the issue uh, about the adoption of AI is that, as you said, humans are very bad at making predictions. And so I think they just refer to the last, let's say, example that is similar. So I think some are thinking about the time that uh, um, online, like um, the internet to, to become a reality or the time that cloud uh, solution uh, to, to become widespread, like for example, in ERP, the cloud technology took like 10 years to become something kind of common. And so I think many companies, um, especially small companies, they think, well, I have time. It's going to take five to 10 years for it to change. So I don't need to, I don't need to run. It's not a race. I have my time. I, I think this is very common my experience what do you think it is it is very common and and it's in fact it's a bit scary when when we think about it because the race is the race is on since many years now so each year that our industries our companies are losing on top of what we are already lacking it, it, those years will cost a lot for them so I agree. We have we have to consider that the race is is on since since too far, since too long. So uh, the the right we we call it a posture. So the, the right posture today for for us when we when we speak to, to companies when we we are asked uh, for to do a conference is just to hurry and to to run as fast as possible. Um, the, the the transformation must happen. And, and we are in late. That's all. And it's true for North America altogether. And not just North America. I think the Western world in general. It's like... Yeah, there's a lot of countries that are in late. And if we want to face with the same tools or, or weapon, depending on how you want to take it, uh, for the, the, the challenges that will come in the next five to 10 years, from those countries that are automating everything at a very high speed, we have to move forward as yeah. fast as possible. This I totally agree. But then I'm also seeing another 
um, shift in the world, which is like people refer, um, preferring to use plug and play AI tools. So just having like, I don't know, like a plug and play software to do sales prediction rather than having it customized, like having to go reach out to Wuban and then understand how their situation is, what were, what would be the best approach for them and so forth. Yeah. It's a way to say that, uh, the marketing is no code solution equals, um, no AI scientists needed and we don't really agree, but what's your take on that? In fact, we, we develop at Vuban for, for example, we develop our own tool to do sales prediction. So after 10 projects, redoing everything again, um, from scratch, more or less, uh, we figure out that it, it could be interesting for our customer to just pay a small fee per month and, and get the platform and only pay one once for the training of the algorithm because, because the training must be customized. So it's not possible to train and to, you know, a, an off the shelf software using AI, a performant, a performant one doesn't exist yet. So what we, what we created is just a platform that can digest uh, any kind of data and that we can follow, uh, into a, mo a specific uh, AI model. So once, once we say it, it's, it's clearly less expensive for the customer and, and, and for sure we are close to the no code approach. So you, you don't need that much people, uh, internally to manage it. They have access to an interface already well developed to, to, to drive it and to modify the training if needed in some cases. Yeah. And I think also another plus is that you guys can give support and like educate, educate them about exactly. their data. And you do the startup of the solution. I think you come in, you still need to understand the data that make that need to be used. Yes. All the phases. And, and it's important to find, a, a, for, for us again, AI remember that there is two way to see it, two ways to see it. The, the, the first one is the research way and the research way is interesting for a programmatic that is very, very complex. And that was, that was, that was never addressed before. Okay. I can, and, and that's the role of universities, but honestly, there is so many use cases that can be solved with the actual algorithm available for free, uh, on internet. And, and there is so many, that's something that people don't really know, but we have one expert in Canada known internationally that Joshua Benjo is our, our, let's say the big thinker in Canada that mostly invent, uh, deep learning with, uh, his colleagues and, and what Joshua Benjo said a year ago, when we were uh, giving a conference together, he said, he said to the crowd, you know, if you just use the, the actual, uh, algorithm available on the web, talking to all kinds of companies that were, uh, in the room, he said, you're gonna need 10 years to go through it. So, so first start by using what exists uh, and, and that's exactly our thinking. So applying AI and algorithm ready to be applied that that's the first, first thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
the right philosophy and uh, what we also try to do here at GMSC Consulting. So definitely, uh, it's AI is becoming a commodity. Uh, you have uh, solutions that need to be customized and uh, deployed by someone who knows how to make them. But our role as a company is not the one of creating new AI, but to adapt it and integrate it. So although making new AI would be challenging and interesting, but uh, that's not our role. That's it. Exactly. So, well, I think uh, that's it. Do you, do you have any other questions? Or oh, yeah, of course. The, the last proper? question. Uh, could you recommend to us, Hugh, a book that you like? It doesn't have to be technical, of course, but yeah, a book that you could suggest to our listeners. Yeah, the, there is a few um, for sure. Once uh, is... Uh, I, I I have one very very new that is uh, interesting probably, but uh, for for a very actual subject which is uh, generative AI. So it's uh, from David Patel and it's uh, artificial intelligence and generative AI for beginners. So that's a clean book to understand what is really ChatGPT. What is what are those solutions of generative AI and what generative AI can do? Mm. So, so this is a very new recommendation. But there is so many good books uh, about AI. Uh, so, Prediction Machine is another one. So, if you're curious about prediction, uh, read Prediction Machine. This is this is a neat book, so well written to understand the future of. AI, more or less. Great. So thank you again, Hugh, for this wonderful episode. And for those who want to learn more about Wuban, of course, we'll be providing in the show notes the details on Wuban and on Hugh, so that if you want to work with them as well, you can contact them. And to whoever li who likes the podcast, you can subscribe to us and leave us a message. And... Thank you so much for having listened to this episode. And thank you again, Hugh, for uh, having shared your experience, your hands-on experience with us and with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.